Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is CD Seedlings. This is a series message, episode one of five. Now, this is a serious word of caution before I get into this one. If you are accustomed to having a fixed mind, and that you only believe the things you understand at this very moment in time, and have not put into practice the rolling around of scriptures into your mind until it comes out polished like stones in a tumbler, then this message is going to grind at you. Not the best way to set up an awesome message, is it? When I first heard what I'm about to share with you, I was not going to believe it, even if it were true, because, well, I had no slot for it, to be honest. When I first heard it, and I will tell you that I was very spiritually immature at the time, the person who shared it received a response from me that a child would give when being asked to go to bed at 6 p.m. on a July summer night. This message is not meant for partial consumption, but rather a complete review before you make up your mind. Don't make the same mistake I did and wait 20 years before you finally get the revelation that this or any message is actually true. For some, I hear that you might be saying, Well, it's not really preaching the gospel. Just stick to the gospel. And I would say, so what of it? It is not, but it does shed some light on the fact that there is more going on than what most of us are aware that is actually going on. Would I share this with a milk-drinking or bread-eating Christian? Probably not. But then again, this ministry is called Deep Waters for a reason. You should also share this conservatively if you so desire but be prepared for some pushback. And remember, never think for a moment that you have all the revelation about God and His kingdom that there is to have. Discovery never ends in the things of God, and I am sure that there are more shocking, for lack of a better word, things to see, hear, and know about God and His kingdom than is currently known by the totality of living men. Now I feel that I should also include the message premise up front in an effort to lay the rails upon which you shall run. Keep in mind what is said here is supported scripturally. And interestingly enough, I'm not the first to have stumbled upon this revelation. And hopefully I won't be the last. If Satan didn't have sex with Eve, then how does he end up with kids? Why does Jesus refer to him as a father? John 8, 4, 4. We know that the supernatural can intermingle with the natural. In error, of course. But nonetheless, we see the evidence of this in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. All the scriptural references are in the body of this message, stitching this idea together. So withhold your doubts until you have searched the matter out. I assure you that you won't turn into a frog if you go on with the thing. I recently completed my message titled, Who in the Universe is Melchizedek? Which contained elements of this message, which I'm just beginning to understand. The common thread is a discussion of the two seeds and the adultery that Eve committed with Satan. Now, when I first heard someone say that Eve had sex with the devil, I thought that the person was out of his mind and that he needed to schedule a meeting with a pastor to get that evil thinking worked out of his heart. But then I came across books I know he never would have read, because he's not a reader of books other than the Bible. And in these books, there emerged the same message that I had heard 15 years earlier. I think what it took for me to remain open to the idea was getting the why question answered. Like, why would Satan have sex with Eve? The how was also a bit baffling, to be honest. 
but that too is addressed. The question was answered and supported from the Bible, so now I feel as though it's okay for me to believe in the idea that the event took place with purpose and intention. There was a strategy in this happening. In the book titled The Battle of the Ages by Lester Sumrall, including other books that I read, it was laid out and supported by Scripture. And so it is with this knowledge that I now give it to you to either suggest that I be admitted to a psych ward or tossed off a cliff somewhere. Somehow you have been illuminated and understand the bigger picture of what is happening, hopefully, to keep your walk on rails and to keep you from simply becoming a busybody in other people's affairs. Oh, and yes, this is a problem in the body of Christ. Adam's sin brought the battle to earth. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a Savior is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah 14:12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. Genesis 3:14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Jesus will bruise the head of Satan, and Satan will bruise the heel of Jesus. This is about a battle that Satan was waging against God and his weakly chosen peeps, who were as deceived as Eve was in the garden. God told Satan that the woman who he had deceived would bring forth a child, Jesus, that would bruise his head. The battle line was drawn. Satan told God that he would not have his head bruised. So Satan concocted an idea and entered into the serpent, who at that time was a sort of beast, not a snake. Yet otherwise God wouldn't have cursed it to slide on its belly all the days of its life, and seduce Eve to destroy the pure seed, if it was already a snake. Genesis 3.14 So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. You see, would it have been a curse if it was already a snake doing snake things? Nope, because it wasn't a snake prior to God saying so. Also of note is the fact that God uses the word beast and not snake. First a beast, then a snake. So we know that the serpent was a beast who was able to chat with Eve and eventually was able to convince her to know him. Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God not call it a beast comparatively so? If there was no relationship to the beast, then he could have said, Then any fish of the sea, or any bird of the air. But then that would have been just random, and God is not random. Yep, Satan seduced Eve by entering the beast and yakking away and then some. He committed adultery with her, and her with him. Eve ate the degradation of humanity by intermingling with the seed of Satan. The serpent seed. Let's look. Eve stated in Genesis 3.13 that Satan deceived, seduced, beguiled me, and I ate. Genesis 3.13. 
And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. If we quickly buzz over Genesis 4:1-2, we see that Eve had twins. This is not a departure from the story, but a result of what happened in the garden. Genesis 4:1-2. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I'm going to interrupt the scripture for a minute. Isn't that interesting that she said the Lord and not Adam? Verse 2. Then she bore again. Okay, so Adam didn't know her here. She just bore again. Then she bore again. This time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. When it states she bore again, this means that she is pushing out another child. Like right after Cain was born. The Adam knowing her was not a part of her boring down again. In Genesis 4.1, Eve states, She had received a child from the Lord, not Adam. Yep, she did not credit her husband for the child. His name was not on the list of credits. Another bit of info is that Cain was born first, and it is a fact that women who have got pregnant by one man and then another usually give birth in the same order of pregnancy. I know it's a weak argument and probably wouldn't hold up in court, but when you add it to all the rest of this info, you start to see a picture that was hidden in plain sight. We also see in Genesis 4:17 and verse 25, God prefaced the act of intimacy with the word new, both with Cain and with Adam. Well, that's it for today. And boy, oh boy, I hope you stick with me throughout this entire message series before coming up with whether you believe it or not. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from them. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.